0: G'day everyone and welcome. Tony Shebeki from On The Turnbuckle here. We'd love you to join us and have a listen to our fantastic wrestling podcast. One of the best around, actually. Been voted one of the best in Australia. So why not tune in and have a listen to us right here on The Turnbuckle. Hang turn- on, hang on.
1: What? Have you got everyone's name right?
0: I'm Tony Shabeki.
1: You're, you're always your four. What about Brett, us? Brett Walsh. Oh, you are the worst. I'm going to record. I should be recording this, ad, eh? no, not mate,
0: you. No, mate, I'm sick and tired of this, Finnick. I'm, I'm, I'm out of here. Where are you going? I'm out of here.
1: Now, come back. It's on the
0: Turnbuckle podcast. You can catch us on mypodcasthouse.com, I guess.
2: evening underneath the stars, and we'll find somewhere close we don't want walk far, nor do we want the hassle You're in the cool car. room. I'm Damien Gibson. Joining me, as always, is David Griffiths. How are you, David? I'm good, mate. How are you? Yeah, good. Good. Slowly going insane uh, <laughs> by being on my own for, what, three, four weeks now? Oh. But, it, but in a positive way. In yeah, I don't,
1: I, I don't know who's going more insane because I'm sort of uh, I'm lovingly stuck in the house with my former daughter and my wife. So you know, I don't know whether looking after a child or being on your own for this period of time is worse.
2: Yeah, I yes, I yeah, I, I'm thankful most of the time. And that voice uh, that you're hearing is uh, lad lad. Lloyd Land. Andy Coin. I knew I was going. I, I I was going a, to be loud,
0: Andy Coin. I have Land a history
2: of like <laughs> loud, loud. Jeez. I have a history of stuffing up every, almost every single guest name uh, in the introduction. So I'm sorry about that, Andy. But uh, <laughs> uh, just before we get started, uh, we would just like to thank everyone for listening. There's been quite a few downloads happening, so that's great. Um, you can follow us on the socials. We're on Twitter now. Uh, if anyone's still on Twitter, Ooh. it seems like a bit of a uh, wasteland as far as social media is concerned, but we're on there so you can follow us. Um, yes. our pre- uh, well, Andy's previous visit on the podcast was uh, episode one of series two, uh, which was March 16th, 2019, which...
0: Uh, good times.
2: Just over a year ago, but it literally feels like 10 to me. Uh, Back then, we had met. Neither of us had met Andy as yet, and uh, David and Andy in particular have been on a whole range of adventures that we'll get uh, we'll touch on in a little bit. Um,
1: Well, he's he's an easy friend to make when he owns a pub, and he seems to like (laughs) fancy fancy craft beers that he's just got in.
2: Yeah. Yes. I too have been through that. <laughs>
1: but Dave, Dave's got quite a few friends within the wrestling circle. <laughs> I the why that is? <laughs> well, I suspect might have something to do with all the hazy IPAs he brings
0: in. It could be a big factor, <laughs> I suspect. <laughs> <laughs> it's not me, I don't. I don't have friends. The venue has friends. Oh, no, no, that's not. I no, that wasn't looking really for sympathy. <laughs> yeah. All good.
2: Uh, we met Andy on our first visit out to what has become um, the. A behemoth that is Moon World. Yeah. Uh, David was uh, promoing the New Japan Festival Hall night at the Royal Mail, which David and I went and checked that out ourselves together. If that makes sense. Uh, <laughs> a night that led to one of the largest to this day bruises that David has had. That's unexplained. Which I don't know this story, so we're going to have to get onto that in a second. Oh. Uh, and David, sure want to tell it now. I might just leave it there. <laughs> David <laughs> said on the podcast, Podcast that he saw big things for Indy Hartwell, uh, who debuted on Raw this week, which I saw uh, and was very. Proud. Wanted to prove that I was right, that's all. I, was good. Well,
1: it. I think I think you've just got to take full credit for that then.
2: Dave. Yep. Yeah, it's, it should uh, be nothing without me. It's a hundred percent David, zero percent Indy yourself. Yeah. It was a very impressive call. It was. You're good at that actually. I, I never get anything right when it comes to wrestling predictions, but you were quite good oh. at it when you take it seriously, which is very rare. Yep. Uh, if you haven't listened to that episode, go back, have a listen to it. It's uh, There's a whole bunch of things happening in that episode uh, that are a lot of fun. Um, I almost legitimately uh, defecated in my pants when a wrestler, went, did a full shoot, <laughs> not shoot, that's the <laughs> wrong word, full promo on me. Um, which yeah. uh,
1: Which wrestler was that out of interest?
2: Uh, um, God, now I'm blanking on... He's no, oh no, Descri- describe, describe well, uh, it was. Uh, Lucky, uh, Lucky Hendrix. is that right?
1: Oh, that yeah, yeah, yes. he, he can be quite loud and obnoxious.
0: But so. I feel you might have just restarted the feud by forgetting his name.
2: Yes, I know. Well, that no, was, no, no, uh,
1: he's he's a peace loving <laughs> man now, he's a uh, a philosopher, he's uh, he's evolved as a person.
2: Oh, right, mm. but the, yeah. <laughs> the, behind the curtain, a little bit, you grabbed him for an interview, Andy, and he yeah. was so nice. We spoke to him for like 15 seconds. And we're like, oh, whatever you want to do, like, if you want to, you know, it's up to you. And he was so gentle and nice. And then as soon as I said we were recording, he just turned into a proper pro wrestler. And I was so scared. Oh, he well, turned I into was... a <laughs> He's a complete prick. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, I immediately had a lot of respect for uh, yourself and anyone who has to interview wrestlers on a on a permanent basis. Because I, I, I blanked. I stopped talking. David had to take over and, and do the, <laughs> the rest of the interview. It was very cute. <laughs> <laughs>
1: no, I know what you mean. I was backstage at World Series Wrestling once, and I was interviewing Austin Aries. And I legit and I had a list of questions, and I wanted to ask him about a book he released that talked about his journey becoming a vegan. It was, I thought, this would be quite interesting. I like to talk about things that are a bit outside of them wrestling. And I clearly caught him in a bad mood. Um, mm. He was really in a bad mood, whether his character was in a bad mood, Oh, maybe they start flowing one into the other. I'm not sure. But yeah. I asked him, "Hey, how did your match go?" It was the first thing, and then he just went on a massive, angry rant about Australia. And at that point, I thought, I can't follow this question of asking. Well, tell me about being a vegan. I just no. <laughs> <laughs> it was like, at that point, I just kind of wrapped it up nicely because he ended it on such, a, on such a high on this promo where he's staring deaf into the camera, holding, I think he had like six championship belts at the time. I then can't talk about alternative cheeses. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, so totally with you on that.
2: Well, I saw an interview uh, during the week from, so I'm not sure what the show was, but the interviewer decided was interviewing Colt Cabana And about three, and the interview was going quite well until he mentioned CM Punk, Um, and then things completely fell apart. So I've interviewed. (laughs) It wasn't quite as bad as that.
1: uh, (laughs) Oh, I've interviewed Colt Cabana about ten odd years ago. He he's not an easy interview. Um, He can be very opinionated. So I can imagine how that went, especially when you mentioned CM Punk, who obviously he's got serious issues with. Yeah. Mm. I think this is why it's very important to research wrestlers, you've got to figure out what might I ask that might piss them off and if you think it might piss them off ask them in advance because sometimes they go Mm. yeah that's good ask me that question because it gives them fuel but yeah if you catch them unawares it's uh, yeah yeah
2: this was painful to watch Um, Mm -hmm. I will share it with you guys after we finish recording it's worth having a look at yeah, we have some traditional questions that we do on the podcast, which we didn't get to do with you last time because it was just a quick sort of two-minute interview. So if you're all right, I thought we could go through that. It,
1: it, I was going to say, in your defense, I was, although it was lovely to meet you guys, I had just got permission from MCW Management to have my one pre-show beer.
2: Yes, that's right.
1: We're, we're at Moondog Brewery, and they had some of the best beers they ever had. And it was just like, Andy, if you want a beer, you've got to have it right now and you can only have a pot and I was like uh, just heading to the barn and suddenly uh, Rowan who's our marketing officer pulled me to one side and went oh these guys want an interview it's like okay do the interview get out of there so, <laughs> <laughs> the, the that makes was- me sound like a complete arsehole I, no no
2: yeah. not at
0: all it was the weird thing for us was it was the first time like, and I think probably the only time we've ever had to deal with a marketing director to actually get to speak to
2: someone <laughs> <laughs> So it was, pretty, yes. <laughs> it was a, a level of professionalism that we weren't used to no. even despite your distractedness No, no. (laughs) Being treated like we were professional podcasters was very nice, but should not have been happening at any point.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Um, Anyway, yes. uh, Your questions, I'd I'd love to ask them because I love talking about beer. It's my second favorite thing to talk about. Awesome.
2: All right. Well, the first one is where and when did you have your first drink? We always preface this with essentially when was the first time you had a proper drink and, and an embarrassing story is essentially what we're looking for.
1: Um, I wouldn't necessarily – well, maybe there's some embarrassment there. I mean, I just remember before I went to university, and as growing up, I actually hated beer. I despised it. And my dad mm. was always trying to get me to drink a beer. Um, right. And, and to be honest, his strategy wasn't solid. He'd give me Bonington's Cream of Manchester, which is a pretty heavy ale to try and give uh, to a young Very old school. You know, <laughs> I was going to say, it's not an entry-level beer, that's for sure. Um. And I just wasn't a fan of beer. But then as I got to about uh, 16, 17, and my friends and myself at school started going out to pubs, you kind of just drink for the sake of drinking. Um, yeah. And I remember going to a Weatherspoons. Now, in the UK, the spoons is the chain of pubs. Um, over in the United Kingdom largest chain of pubs and you know the tradition is that you're a young lad you go down you have a few pints with your mates you stumble out drunk you you go to a kebab house you eat a kebab you crash at your mate's house and then you try and make your way home in the following morning pretty much Um, and I remember going to university and at first I did initially continue so I went to university in Leicester and I remember that student prices were absurdly low I think, and at the time, I don't think certain alcohol laws had come into effect in the UK. And I remember getting, right, there's a beer called Carling, which is one of the worst beers you could possibly drink. It's a gross lager. It's like Castlemaine Forex over here, or VB. It's that kind of level of beer. It's this mass-produced piss water. But the thing is, it was also 65p a pint, which, if you look at the page right now, is about $1.20. You could literally... Go out and for ten dollars get absolutely smashed and still have money for a kebab uh, before you go. To bed. I just realize how goddamn old that makes me say when I said that, <laughs> and I still had a tuck penny to get on the bus. <laughs> but yeah, no, but the interesting thing about Leicester. Um, was that it was kind of used as a test market for when they were bringing in a lot of European beers. And I remember going to this one bar, I was trying to find the name of it before I started the podcast. Um, Unfortunately, I couldn't find it, but there was a a pub and a bar that was around the corner from the university. And they specialised in sort of bringing out a wider range beyond just the local stuff that you can purchase so they had stuff from the uh, Young's Brewery which was local to Leicestershire and you know those are you very traditional ales but they were lovely but also I started getting introduced to all these European beers things like uh, I was just making a list here like Affligem, Chimay, Devel, Quack which absurdly lovely dark beer and mm. Funky Glass and Le Chef as well and that's when I realized I can I mean you, at that point you're spending four pounds on a beer uh, which back then is an absolutely horrific amount of money, but I very quickly realized, oh, actually, I actually like these beers, and it got to the point where I realized I could actually spend more money on stuff that I actually enjoyed, and you know i didn 't make such an ass of myself going to university but although it's yes for an embarrassing story, I mean it's not <laughs> quite it's not quite uh, necessarily beer related, but you know university's a bad time, and I remember having a few pre night drinks. With some of my friends, and you start at the, uh, you get some cheap, super cheap, nasty lager, you're slamming those back. Yeah, yeah, and then you go to the university bar, and I remember that they made this horrendous cocktail by taking one of every bottle along the top shelf. I remember just (laughs) smelling it. And I just turned around to my friends, went, oh yeah, back in a minute, lads. And I proceeded to go to the bathroom and just be horrifically ill. I remember that specifically, because for some strange reason, somebody had actually carved Team Extreme for life, you know, Jeff and Matt Harden, for some strange (laughs) reason on the toilet (laughs) door. Was Was it you? It was not me. It It wasn't you earlier in the night? No, and I thought, wow, there's another wrestling fan here. Yeah, excellent. But no, very ill. And that's when you sneak off quietly and you basically... Buy yourself a Rat Burger on the way home and then just fall asleep. And yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Shit, so also mixing beer with red wine actually caused me to lose the ability to drink wine for two years at university because I just had yeah. a horrific event. But no, um, yeah, first proper beer. It's got to be, it's, I reckon it was a Chimay probably. And I think that's the first beer that I had that I thought, wow, this is actually lovely. And my girlfriend or... My wife now, in an attempt to uh, woo me, actually went to this pub and bought me two of every Chimay that they had. So that's when I knew it was love.
0: Yeah. That's... You, uh... you, you knew you were, you you were go to someone rich
1: anyway. My, my <laughs> wife just leaned into the room and actually gave me the double thumbs up at that point. <laughs> She's the queen of seduction. She knew...
2: <laughs> That's when you got to put a ring on it Andy. When that it, happened. It, it,
1: took me, it took me another 15 years to
2: put a ring, <laughs> put a ring, put a ring, ring on it. Put a second one on the wire cage from the top <laughs> of the bottle. Yeah, well, I mean, Beyonce didn't give us a timeline. She just said you've got to put, put it, a ring just, on it.
1: Just put a ring on it. So, so what if it takes you within the best part of two decades? Hmm.
2: Yeah, the great philosopher of the modern age, Beyonce. Hmm. Uh,
1: it's, <laughs> fair, it's fair advice in all fairness, yeah.
2: Yeah. Um, what about... Uh, Craft beers. Once you got over to Australia, was there a particular sort of gateway craft beer that that?
1: Well, I was going to say, interestingly, I mean, what you call craft beer over here, you know, there's a little bit of a debate, isn't there? I mean, I remember when I first here. I, I I'm so yeah i mean when i was in leicester i mean I was, obviously i started looking for more and more beers and i remember there was a, a bottle shop called the offy that really had an awesome range but the one thing that i never really got into when i was in the uk were like particularly stronger pale ales or the uh, ipas and i know those are massive over here in australia yeah i remember first coming over here and actually me and my wife we got off the plane i think we decided to uh, explore the city and we stopped in this rather fancy look. Well, not fancy, but yeah, just above casual bar. And I remember sitting down and looking at the beer menu and looking back on it, it I kick myself because down this list are all these wonderfully named beers and I don't know what to choose first. So I'm going down. I have no context as to what anything is. I <laughs> go, ah, I should try a VB. I thought, yeah. <laughs> the first beer I had in Australia was a VB and fuck my taste buds it tasted like somebody had put a cigarette out in it it was absolutely horrendous but you know <laughs> frankly, I, I didn't realize how many breweries there were in Melbourne and Victoria and just trying them all and they're, they're mm. absolutely fantastic and um, I think the first proper beer that I was introduced to was the uh, Little Creatures and again, mm. I don't know whether you class that as craft I mean obviously everyone has a slightly different definition but that was a kind of my entryway, shall we say. Yeah, And have to get white It is. And at first I flavor, a bit off-putting, it was incredibly strong. I wasn't used to it at all. But then obviously you drink more and more and more and more and more. And, you know, <laughs> it, it sort of becomes a flavor. And at that point, you know, you, you go to bars and you just want to try absolutely everything. Now, I've been in Australia now for about eight and a half years so one thing I've really loved over the last several years is you know I've been introduced to more and more breweries and also apps Apps are fantastic like there's different apps where you can find specific beers or just see what's on a specific pub and stuff like this and try different things and Mm. you know I mean one thing I've also also been very grateful for is when I got involved in uh, the wrestling there are two people who work backstage at MCW uh, Joel Bateman and Horco, and they are the biggest beer and ipa snobs you'll ever meet in your life and i think there was a time where they went oh you poor innocent englishman come under our wing let us take you (laughs) you know and they take me to places like you know hop nation they take me to bars like the heartbreaker and beer deluxe and things like that and i was going to say it's it's really hard to if anyone asks you what your favorite beer is it's so hard to pin down because I'm a man with a very wide range of tastes. I sometimes I'm in the mood for a stout. Sometimes I'm in the mood for an IPA. Sometimes I want a big fruity sour. So yeah, Yeah. it's just awesome for that. And probably is responsible for a huge amount of weight gain I got when I first came here because (laughs) a a beer drinkers appreciation society on meetup.com. And yeah, yeah. I can't
2: join that group again. That was
1: was absolutely (laughs) devastating.
2: Um, (laughs) <laughs> I can I can identify with that. Um you mentioned a couple of places uh bars in in the answer to that question but is there a outside of uh the royal mail obviously is there obviously. a <laughs> is there a, p- a specific place that you like to go and have a beer when we're not all sort of locked yeah, in our houses? Yeah I,
1: I had to cuz obviously you sent these questions in advance and I appreciate you did cuz you just gave me a chance to have a bit of a think and I did get it down to 3 so Um, The Heartbreaker, which has a phenomenal range of craft beers. They've also got some really awesome spirits as well, if I'm with friends who aren't necessarily into beers, both on tap and also in cans and bottles. And the great thing about Heartbreaker is their pizza is absolutely phenomenal.
2: It is, isn't it?
1: Yes, I discovered this place. Um, There's a wrestler called uh, Brad Richards the Cremator, and it was his birthday, (laughs) and we all ended up there. And there's photos afterwards. I don't remember this, but me and my wife are eating this humongous pizza and I look like I'm really enjoying it but I better go back there that looks really <laughs> good <laughs> then then after that there's beer deluxe um, I think they have a great range obviously they're a bit more of a a mainstream pub and you know their prices are quite expensive but it's so central in the city uh, which makes it really good and I think there was a time where in a pre- I had a previous job and I was going through a pretty stressful time so what I'd sometimes do is if I was in the city I would actually just take 20 minutes, half an hour, pop into Beer Deluxe, see what they got, and just sit there and- didn't go to work for the day. I didn't go to work, <laughs> oh my God, trust me, I would have loved to have just gone there for breakfast and left um, but obviously. Um, and then, but I think one of my all time favorites is the Boilermaker just because i i like to pretend that i'm classy and fancy and you know (laughs) they've got some great beers but their selection of dried meats and cheeses and some of their nibbles are just absolutely phenomenal um really good place to go the only thing is very popular place so if you get in there too late you're not going to find a seat but apart from that that place is absolutely fantastic oh awesome
2: um you have a little bit of a head start uh, on this next question compared to the majority of our um, guests, because you are from overseas. It's a very Australian, yes. and it is a very Australian <laughs> question. Like, what's your favorite place to drink overseas? It's such a huge <laughs> gamut of places. Um, yeah. Like in, in the, is there somewhere that you miss in the UK that you loved going to? or somewhere Yeah. Outside of the UK? There,
1: there are definitely two places that came to mind. So the first one, when I was sort of exploring, uh, Leicester, when I, when I was in university and I was exploring these European beers, there was a place called the Belgian Beer Cafe and their special was a, a, a sort of a massive pot of mussels and a pint of your choice of Belgian beer and on a Thursday night, which is when they ran that special, just awesome. You go out yeah. and it was, it was they were excellent mussels, like they were cooked beautifully in a wonderful creamy or a tomato sauce and you've got a pint of beer and with a load of bread and butter and proper mayonnaise and just you know just fantastic and I yeah. think that's more of a memory of the experience but obviously mm. that's when I was really enjoying those Belgian beers and also they had a lot of sort of the fruit beers as well which I really came to love and another one was a really interesting uh, I was thinking was there's a place in uh, Colchester in Essex called Three Wise Monkeys and me and my uh, my wife we actually had our engagement photos taken there and the reason I'm so fond of that place is because i have left the UK for eight years Obviously, I got to witness how craft beer in Australia and Melbourne sort of blooms, and I had seen how it had grown in um, in the UK. Yeah, when we went to this place, Free Wise Monkey. First of all, it's a smoked meat restaurant, so smoked meat automatically delicious, and they've got things like you know uh, mac and cheese and pickles and all the stuff, uh, smoked beans, all the stuff that you associate with that kind of restaurant. Yeah, and they also must have had somewhere third in the in the middle of about twenty to twenty five odd beers on tap of all these different craft beers from all these craft breweries and i didn't appreciate how much it had grown in that time and i remember buying and one thing i love about craft beer is obviously some of them have some of the best punny names as well and i remember ordering a beer called the men who stare at oats which was just <laughs> <laughs> beautiful creamy beer i because see we were having our engagement photos there i mean that's just a really fun time but i hope that when well, me and my wife, were meant to go visit the UK in July so we can show off our new baby. Sadly, that's probably not going to happen now. Um, but I'm hoping that the next time we go there, I'm hoping, and I imagine my wife is actually in earshot at the moment, that my wife will take me there for a nice big slap-up lunch and a few craft beers and then drive us home. <laughs>
2: <laughs> uh, that. That sounds amazing. I just sort of drifted off. Was I like off in my own world thinking about that the <laughs> menu like that you were talking things. about? <laughs> the
1: thing is, a lot of it is, it's, I mean, everywhere does amazing beers, but a lot of it I associate with the experience. Yeah. And I think that's a really important part of beer. Um, you know, earlier I was saying that I drank beer for the sake of drinking beer when I was younger. And now it's like, well, actually now I enjoy drinking beer that you know, has a certain flavour and character. And Obviously, I like the, the the environment about it, and obviously, if you catch up with friends, you want to go to Ponzi places and go. Oh, yes, this is a a lovely beer that's been stuck in a barrel for six months, and can't you taste the roasted vanilla or whatever? Um, yeah. It's all about that experience, and that's why most of my memories are like that. By the way, I apologise if you can hear my daughter getting grumpy in the background. I'm just going to try and close this door.
2: No, that's not a problem. We've had we've had uh, last week. We we had a. Uh, guest child come in at the end and basically finish the episode for us because he wanted to play Thomas the Tank so it's fine. It's a family podcast. It's fine.
1: Thomas the Tank? I don't remember that as a kid. Mm-hmm.
0: Right, <laughs> Thomas the Tank Engine. Just a smidgen more violent. <laughs> what did I say?
1: Thomas, Thomas the, the Tank.
2: Tank. Oh god sorry. I'm just Thomas imagining the Tank Engine.
1: Thomas blowing the... <laughs> I can imagine Thomas blowing up the fat controller. <laughs> <laughs> What do you mean you're giving me rush hour? (laughs) (laughs) Uh,
2: We usually have a question where we ask about the strangest, funniest thing you've seen in a cool room. Uh, If you don't have something along those lines, maybe backstage at a wrestling show, I assume that there are plenty of those kind of stories.
1: Yeah, yeah. I I appreciate you expanding that out to wrestling stories. Um, Obviously, there's quite a few in my head, and I was trying to think of the one that scarred me. Um, And one was (laughs) so... There was, um, in back in the UK, there was a show that I was part of. And it was something that everyone in the British scene was very proud of. It was a show called Revival. And this was our opportunity to do a massive show. At the time it would have been a massive show with about 2,000 odd people in the Crystal Palace. Now British wrestling shows are doing way more than that all over the place, you know. But uh, at the time, that was a hell of an achievement. Hmm. And on that show, and it was it was filmed as a TV pilot. It was shown nationally. And we had two international stars. One of them was Eddie Guerrero, uh, who I got to reference wow. for. And that's something I never shut up about, because that's something amazing to brag about. But yeah. the other one was... Uh, and now it goes down a bit. But the other international star we had was Grandmaster Sexay. Uh, from- <laughs> <laughs> and this was just as Grandmaster Sexay had just been uh, let go by the WWE. And he's one of our stars. Um, he was a bit of a difficult guest to handle and I'll tell you a bit more about that in a minute but I'm, I'm a young lad I must have been about 18, 19 I think uh, right. age so you know you know experience wise I'm still pretty wet behind the ears in the wrestling scene and obviously suddenly you're in this locker room with these big famous people anyway got there nice and early locker rooms only a few people in there and I I'm bursting for a piss so I kind of go into the toilet and there standing in the mirror is um, a wrestler by the name of The Dominator. And if you see this guy, looks phenomenal and he's putting on his makeup. And I can't actually find the cubicle for some reason. And I said to him, man, where where's the, where's the bogs? And he sort of nods his head towards the general direction of where the toilet is. Oh, fantastic. So I push open the door to the cubicle. And there in front of me sitting on the bog is Grandmaster Sekse in his wrestling gear, with his trademark trousers around his ankles. Just gives me the dirtiest glare. I apologize, step back, close the door. I look at the Dominator and he's paused and he's just like paused doing his makeup. Just give me this funny look with this massive grin on his face. that sent me up but sure about it because the Dominator happens to have 200 pounds of muscle on top of me. So. Yeah. yeah. Stuff like that. People always trying to set you up. But yeah, Grandmaster Sex a in the end would go on to have a match. And when they try to take him back at the airport, he went out drinking. He then tried to, We tried to take him back to the airport. And allegedly he hopped over the... So he got to the airport about midnight. Everything's closed in the, in the in Heathrow. And he hopped yeah. over a bar, a closed bar, to try and make himself a drink. And when security tried to escort him out, he proclaimed, "Don't you know who I am?" As that was somehow going to excuse him from trying to make himself. <laughs> <laughs> I knew what the answer was already. I guess. Yeah. No. No, we don't. I mean, apparently, maybe he wasn't wearing his gimmick. I don't
2: know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm Jerry, the King of Luthor's son. Oh, yeah, that might have worked. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I think that's probably more likely to get you out of trouble than Grandmaster Sexay. Grandmaster Sexay, no. You can't say it without saying it that way. You can't just it, say well, Grandmaster yeah, exactly
1: Sexay. That's how it spell. it's spelled.
2: Yeah. It's <laughs> Sexay. Up there on the left.
0: This week's episode of The Cool Room is brought to you by the online wine courses at benandwine.com. With over 20 years' experience in the wine industry and over a decade of running beginner's wine courses in real life, Ben Knight is now offering them on your desktop via Zoom or Skype. Whether it's a birthday party, drinks with friends, or even a thank you to staff and colleagues for another week in lockdown, this is a great way to treat someone. There are four course levels, the cheapest of which is just $28 per login, and there's options where Ben will get the wine delivered to you and all the other participants, so all you need to do is open the bottle and then let Ben open your mind. There's a whole range of great wines on Ben's list from Australia and around the world, and if you're into only red wine or only white wine, then Ben can make that work too. I've known Ben for years, been to many of his tastings, in fact, he used to run them at Mr Griffith's in Kensington, and that's why I'm so happy to endorse his events. To find out more, just go to benandwine.com, that's all one word, benandwine.com.
2: For last time uh you were on with us uh you were discussing the moon dog David ba- Bowsenberry boys it's Bowsenberry for the, the purposes ba- of this the, bit. Bowsenberry, yes yeah uh, Did
0: you, I didn't think it was the and bit that we were going to have a dispute about the pronunciation of. I thought it was going to be Bowie versus
2: Bowie. But anyway, let's. Uh, <laughs> I'm having real difficulty with English words today, gentlemen. I'm sorry about that.
1: So when you're uh, interviewing somebody who's English, the pressure's on. I know, I know.
2: Well, I just, that's exactly what happened because we say Bowie over here, but the majority oh. of English people say Bowie. <laughs> and then I just completely stumbled over that very small hurdle. I apologize. Uh, since then, you've been brewing your own sours. What you, Have yes. you been brewing lately? I know you've got a young... Oh, mild, so but...
1: when, when I brew, it also depends on whether I'm trying to lose weight as well, because the last thing you want is 21 odd litres of some delicious beer you've just brewed. But, <laughs> um, the last beer I brewed, because I do like my sort of fruity beers, and there was a beer that I really loved by Sailors Grove. It was their lemon meringue beer, so I attempted to kind of duplicate that. and. I did a fair effort so the last bit I've got loads of bottles of it left it it's I'm just looking at it now so I made a lemon meringue and it was it was obviously brewed with lactose I sort of got a I cheated I bought a session IPA base from one of these uh, brew stores you know so I got it as fresh as I can and then I had vanilla in secondary and I used a kind of an English ale yeast to try and give it a biscuity flavor and yeah I did a pretty good Thomas. I um my parents came to visit around Christmas time because obviously we've just had a daughter they want to come meet their grand uh, their, their granddaughter so obviously i have guinea pigs to try out my beer because it's one thing for me to like the beer and maybe even some of my craft beer snobby mates to kind of you know take a chance on it but mm. if you can convince your um your, your sort of a non-beer fan family and friends to try and go that's not bad that's when you really succeed i reckon but no mm. them <laughs> beer. i i have to admit i'm a real person who likes to go for my friend joel calls them beers for marks. so like these gimmicky beers and i'm <laughs> a creature of curiosity if if i see something i have to try it like and sometimes you discover yeah. amazing things and sometimes you discover horrendous pints of crap basically oh. <laughs> you <laughs> give it a go and sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. But, you know, that's just the way I'm, I'm wired, basically.
0: And you always go the pint option rather than the, yeah, why don't I try a small taste of that first to see, <laughs> you know, which <laughs> of those two categories the beer falls into? Oh,
1: um, well, you it'll grow on me. I mean, Dave <laughs> Dave knows what I'm like. I am the one that goes, Dave, can I try some of that? And you try a bit and go, hmm, mm, can I try some of that? And I go, yeah, I try about three of those. And then I'll go for something completely different. So I've tried about five of these IPAs and go, <laughs> oh, you know what? I'll go for a larker. Because <laughs> I'm a sod like that. I always feel really guilty when I go into um deluxe. Because they usually have about 12 beers on tap or whatever. And there's some things that I have no intention of buying, but I'm super curious to try. So, you know, and I kind of pretend I'm going to buy it. And I can't act to save my life, but you know, I'll uh, I'll try a few things and then I'll go for uh you know, then I'll go for something safe, basically, that I know I'll drink and enjoy.
2: Well, It's always a good way to basically get an extra pot in the night's drinking anyway. To, oh, what's that? Can I have a taste of that? You know, if you it, it, if you it, have three or four kind of tastes brewery. of something, you get yourself close to a pint. I have tried
1: the... Re- I've had the reverse of that happen to me, where I can't remember the brewery, which is probably a good thing because I'm about to slice them off. And there's this one brewery, <laughs> beer I've tried of theirs, Awful! And the first time I tried their beer, it was a, a prickly pear beer. I'm trying to remember the name of the brewery because I. And yeah, it's it. dangerously like bonehead. Yes, avoid them. Awful. Sorry, sorry, bonehead, if they're listening, yeah, they'll be on next week.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and
1: I, I asked for a pint. <laughs> sorry, bonehead. I, I, I saw recently, not that long ago, I saw adverts. In one of the brewery magazines, there was a half page ad by Bonehead and it was like a cartoon. And their cartoon characters are mocking their reviewers on apps saying, oh, why did you only give us one or three star beers? And I'm looking and going, that's the world's most terrible advert. You're advertising the fact that you get shit reviews. Anyway, I'm sorry, but I tried this prickly pear beer. Well, I say try, I was about bat. thought, that sounds nice. I ordered a pint. And the guy behind the bar looked at me and went, are you sure mate can i just give you a try first so i've never had a bar guy actually not serve me a pint because he thought the beer was that bad and i tried it and it tasted like hospital antiseptic i'm sorry bonehead he was such a poor beer um so yeah i've had the reverse happen to me anyway Day, feel free to cut that out if it makes things awkward. No, no, no. no. Just, just sets
0: up a uh, sets up a live full oh, cage match at some stage, and not nah, too- That's
1: fine. If, if they want to have the bonehead brewery brawl, I'm well up for it. Bring it. <laughs> we'll bring the no holds bar championship. Don't you worry about it. I'll bring my mate. I'll bring my mate Gore. He'll have my
2: back. I'll. <laughs> uh, Speaking of which, you've been working with uh, Moondog to produce a wrestling video show. Do you want to tell us how that's been going?
1: There you go. There's my official answer. Thumbs down. But I, I would like to talk about it. So just to give everyone a little bit of a backstory. Um, well, my, in fact, weirdly enough, this is then spun out to how me and Dave have been working more together as well. Mm. And, and actually it kind of came as a result of this. And actually, so when me and Dave first met, and, and yourself, of course, you know, um, you know, I realized, ah, oh, this is a guy who loves beer, and this is a guy who loves wrestling, and he also owns a club. And I thought, mm, that's a useful contact. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> For one of those factors, if no others. Oh. And what with the Moondog show, we, um, you know, myself and a few of us, we wanted to have a crack at running a show called MCW On Tap. We were trying to make a kind of a, a Moondog slash mcw chat show and we went there and we filmed the pilot in my opinion it went really well um we were supposed to have millie mckenzie on it but she decided that she couldn't be bothered and didn't turn up but that's all right we had dct we had avery um there was um we had brad richards the cremator so we had some pre- and obviously hawker and joel bateman who i'm very thankful that they helped helped me to make those uh, that connection with the um with the moon dog crew and Moondog were awesome. Hey, we've got nothing to lose. You know, it's quiet on a Tuesday night. Why don't you come down? We'll make the space available. And we did. We came down and we filmed the show. It was a free camera edit. Um, and it was hopefully to promote the, the Moondog slash MCW show that was happening as part of Good Beer Week. We produced the show. We presented it to, and it was a pilot. So we presented it to MCW. There was one admitted issue with the pilot we put together. And that was to do with sound. The room that we filmed in was very loud um, because you could hear Moondog's sort of facility brewing away in the background, basically.
0: Oh, we've been there, um, done that.
1: Yeah. So, yeah. Um,
0: so I think I, it was at Bonehead. <laughs> it was. Boy, look, I, look, tell you what, I challenge. Look, if Bonehead um, want to invite. You hang on, me- get,
1: just sit down again. There's no need to stand up while you're doing this. Your <laughs> if Bonehead want to challenge me to invite you and taste every single one of their beers I'm willing to change my mind admittedly I did used to think that Brewdog beer was crap and I changed my mind on them so I can be saved uh, (laughs) I'm also I'm also an influencer you know darling but I mean I might only have (laughs) (laughs) but those followers drink a lot so anyway we produced the show we did have issues with the sound unfortunately a piece of equipment we were given by The company we hired the equipment from was faulty, but apart from that, I was very happy with it. Um, Unfortunately, uh, MCW watched the show, and I don't think they felt it was quite right. Um, You know, I heard several reasons, and I don't necessarily want to go into it, but unfortunately they didn't feel it was quite the right fit. And because they're obviously working with one of their sponsors, Moondog, you know, that becomes a slightly more sensitive issue and although i was hoping that i would have further conversations uh, with mcw management to try and move that project forward unfortunately i don't think there was any interest on their side and i was really disappointed um, unfortunately i never really got to chat to moondog again about it because i felt as mcw sponsor i felt it was better coming from them and but if mc if anyone from Moondog's dogs listening i'm very thankful that they gave me that opportunity i'd love to do more stuff there uh, and I just don't think it was meant to be. But the good thing that came out of this was Dave's pub, the uh, the Royal Mail on Spencer. And I remember it well. No, you don't. You <laughs> passed out. <laughs> <laughs> you don't remember it at all. Um, and I remember going there and I thought, this bar's awesome. And that's when I floated the idea for Dave about whether he'd like to work together to run the what became the No Holds Barred, a podcast slash video to try it because on one side you know i wanted to obviously create videos that promote wrestling and promote the wrestlers and for dave I, you know obviously i was trying well we were trying to make his pub a sort of a place to go for wrestling fans and yeah. i think with each filming and taping that we've done each show has gotten better and better you know we see what videos work best which ones don't work well and it's been really interesting experience and it's a real shame the coronavirus hit when it did because i think our our last taping actually had the the highest attendance Uh, (laughs) (laughs) two dozens maybe but i think i think what we learned is fans love complete and utter mayhem there was one video we produced where we had jurassic punk sid parker and caveman ug came down and we invested into them having a bar brawl in in dave's pub and it was absolutely fantastic it made for an awesome video yeah. it was it got a huge amount of shares um i think there was a genuine interest in that we then on our next show after that we were promoting a no ring death match that was going to be held at the royal mail at spencer as well and what could go wrong what could go wrong <laughs> well i can tell you what went wrong: a bloody pandemic um, <laughs> I it was a very difficult decision. So there was obviously myself and Dave and a few others who were trying to make this experiment of a show, put it together. And I think, I've, you know, I think it was 50-50 as to whether that show was going ahead. And I think looking back on it, the right decision was made. And yeah, absolutely. the show was cancelled. It was definitely the right thing to do. You know, disappointing because I know that the wrestlers involved really wanted to do it. I think it would have been a really interesting show. Um, And I'm disappointed that the No Holds bar has, as a result, kind of come to a screeching halt as a result. myself and the, t- the the production team behind no holds barred which are called snapmares media we're trying to produce a bit more content just to kind of tie things over but you know I really want to get back into um, into the pub and start filming more things because we were starting to have a lot of fun I think we were starting to find our groove and I think we're finding yeah. that right mix as to what people want to come down and see and it's not long Droning interviews, no, it's people smashing up Dave's bar, basically.
0: <laughs> I think the uh, WrestleMania day would have been an awesome day as well. I think that's oh, the one where we sort of, you know, that mix of some live wrestlers doing silly things in conjunction with sort of WWE on a screen in the background. And...
1: It never happened, obviously, but I remember there was one amazing idea that was floated around. I won't say the wrestlers who were involved with this idea, But I think there was one idea floating around that during WrestleMania, we'd get everyone to vote what the piss break match was gonna be. So the one match that nobody really could be bothered watching. And then wrestlers would have a match in the pub during that match, during WrestleMania, with that match acting as the kind of the time limit for that contest. (laughs) As an absolute, bizarre, bonkers concept. No, that's it. I think it was going to be like an Iron Man match. So if it was like a, a, a diva six-man, six-woman tag or something that only went five minutes, it was effectively going to be a five-minute Iron Man match in a pub. But I, th-
0: I think the other bit of that one was that you or I were going to know which match had been selected in the poll. Yes. The wrestlers weren't, and so they'd just be supporting <laughs> each other for a couple of hours, potentially, before the match started. Sort of like...
1: Going for the lockup. Well, I think. Look, I, I think. I think this is where video content is important. I think in the last few years, you know, um, there's been various groups that have stepped forward, various podcasts, and I attempted to launch a, a sort of a video thing called uh, One Four not that long ago as well, where there is a hunger for sort of additional content to the main shows, and obviously the technology is getting so much easier. I mean, we're having this very effortless. Freeway conversation on the internet, um, which is fantastic. The technology mm-hmm. is there, pe- and you know, one thing I've learned is what really helps wrestlers to stand out is when they start doing this additional content as well. I mean, recently WWE have been talking about reducing the live events that they do, mainly because some of the house shows are money losers. But in addition, they've realised that actually it's additional content like this that really helps push wrestlers, and I think therefore there is a hunger for video groups and for podcast groups. And a big shout out to PWA. They Some of their video work is absolutely phenomenal. Also, um, yeah, I don't want to get fired here. Also, MCW, the guy who runs it, Mikey J, obviously is a phenomenal video guy as well. He's actually using the downtime. He released a, a Jonah Rock um, a sort of a documentary, mini doco, which was excellent. I know he's been sitting on that for a few years now. So he finally got the time to actually edit it. Yeah. And I think all these podcasts and all these video groups, there's definitely opportunities. Um, I know that there's some friends of mine are off the turnbuckle who do some fantastic interviews. And actually, my, um, my business partner at Underworld Wrestling, Mark Williams, was the first, Williamson, I should say, sorry, was the first man to go on their show. And it's amazing to see how they went from a few listeners to actually having quite a few hundred of listeners now.
0: And, and they've got an ad on today's show. Which I didn't tell either of you about. So, oh, listeners well, may have on, already well. heard an ad from them. So. Well, there you go. Off <laughs> the, with the... <laughs>
1: Don't listen to those buggers; They're bigger than us.
0: No. <laughs> <laughs> listen to their interview with the guy who wrote the Andre the Giant book, which has just come out recently. It's a top interview, apart from all of their content being top content. And I think they're being nice enough to promote our podcast. So, oh, fantastic. See, that's...
1: I think that's one thing I was really disappointed about why our no holds, the no holds barred, no ring death match didn't happen. I know a lot of people have different opinions about no ring death matches. I completely understand both sides of the argument. Um, you know, death match wrestling isn't actually my favorite style either. I mean, I'm from England. I like a guy holding a headlock for 20 minutes. Um, <laughs> It's, it's true. Um, but um, at the end of the day, the one thing I liked about it was how effortless it was getting people to work together. You know, earlier I was talking about you know, politics in that people have reasons why they don't necessarily want to work with each other. But for this, we had people saying, you know, could we do, you know, we, we had wrestlers like Sid Parker, Joel Bateman. We had Dave with the bar um, off the Turnbuckle. People were so willing to work together just mm. to have a bit of fun and try out something a little bit different and i that's awesome and i'm really disappointed it didn't happen mainly for that reason um yeah. just going back to what i was saying i think like i say all these different people who create content have their place and i think no holds barred one thing we've noticed that works really well is sort of the sillier content you know, having Gore try and stuff my cameraman into a bin has to be uh, <laughs> I don't think you need to yeah. use the word the verb pry <laughs> <laughs>
0: effortlessly
1: <laughs> effortlessly him into a bin uh, Jack Uze who's going to be a star in the future. Uh, but you know, also you know, guys, you know DCT playing Jenga. I had Mohammed Ali Baez and Slade Mercer, and of course Tony hashtag Villani. Um, playing uh, charades, it
0: charades, charades, I can never get up and run. was a great <laughs> guest who came back many times. I don't want to spoil the videos for people, which people should go out and look for, but he may have held the belt that we invented for the No Holds Bar for a number of episodes.
1: Do you know, one of my biggest disappointments is for our first show... One of the things I announced was we were going to announce a new championship. I did that because there's nothing that gets people more fired up negatively and positively than announcing you're going to bring a new championship into Australia. I'm really disappointed I didn't get more angry messages about it. <laughs> what, is what are you talking about? What's going on? Um, and so the fact that it was like this strap of leather, which Dave's son lovingly made, um, yeah. Just warms my heart. It's yeah, got,
2: it's fantastic.
1: A uh, little bit super glued to it, like an eight ball and stuff like that. Yeah, it's fantastic. <laughs> did, you, did you get any angry messages along the way? I, um, I've had one. That, that t- you want to talk about? No. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. That's... I'm
0: not talking about the ones that I send on a weekly basis when you... <laughs> no,
1: oh, only two people turned up. Why? <laughs> you want me to I do send? what with a chilli? like I say, you know obviously here in australia i'm working with several wrestlers i'm working with several promoters and all the people who work backstage and everyone's got an opinion on these things and you know sometimes i get some great critical be- feedback on these shows sometimes i get some bad critical feedback on these shows and you've kind of ugh, well, in wrestling everyone's gonna have an opinion on something and if it's good great if it's const- the best is constructive right even if you're not a fan of something if somebody gives you constructive feedback that is awesome. Um, you know, mm-hmm. there's, I, have a, I won't say who it was because I swore I'd never reveal his identity, but there's um, a friend of mine uh, in the wrestling. i careful not to give too many clues. When I ran Underworld Wrestling, um, I did get some awesome critical feedback from someone who, to be honest, didn't enjoy the show, but their feedback was absolutely phenomenal. And I appreciate that. But if you contact me and you're just going to moan and say, that's rubbish, well, it's not helpful. And to be honest, it makes me question whether that person supports what I hope to accomplish. And this is it in wrestling, there are going to be people who support each other, there's going to be people who don't. And you want to surround yourself with those who do support one another. Um, Because to be honest, those are the ones who are going to help you move forward.
0: Yeah. uh... DCT in there along the way who was the very first guest on No Holds Park. Yes. And probably the worst ever interview I've ever conducted in my life because I tried <laughs> to conduct it from behind the bar while he was looking, you know, in completely the opposite direction. Yeah, that was
1: that was the first thing we threw out was having you stand. It seemed in my head to be a really awesome gimmick, but in practice just didn't work. Yeah, I
0: was not really wanting to relive my own personal shame. I was wondering... Um, How's he going, and how are the other wrestlers sort of that you're in contact with all the way around the world getting through the coronavirus lockdown?
1: Well, I was going to say, DCT is great. He's, he became a very good friend um, when he came over here, and it was really sad that he was only here for a year. Uh, for a year. And I remember that when he was about to leave, um, well, we may have all been a bit drunk, but there were some tears shed. I know that he really enjoyed his time in Melbourne. Uh, there's obviously various reasons why he had to go back to England. Um, you know, But I know that a lot of people in the Australian scene are going to miss him as well because he actually brought, he wasn't just a guy who came over just to work a few matches. He really dove in super deep into the Australian wrestling scene. He really enjoyed it. And earlier I was talking about those who are supportive and those who aren't. And DCT, what a dude, he was very supportive. You know, he knew that he had, that rub so to speak of being a former icw champion and you know he became a good mate and when i said you know can you come down and be a guest on the show he was always willing to do it he was always willing to help out at the trainee schools he was always giving feedback to people and if you didn't get feedback from him you know what a missed opportunity um, very smart guy um but he's doing all right um i say all right i mean like a lot of people what's happening over in the uk has hit a lot of people it's hitting quite hard i know that. At the moment, I believe he's staying with some family members. Um, and, you know, he's just counting the days when the pandemic's over. Because at the moment, no one is wrestling. And for some people, that's a bigger deal than others. I mean, for me, I'm a, common, like, I'm, an, I'm a commentator in Australia. Like, I'm not a full-time wrestling professional, so to speak. You know, I've got a job outside of it. And thankfully, that job is fairly secure. So, in many ways, it's actually kind of nice to take a step back away from wrestling. Um, you know, selfishly speaking, but obviously, I wish the scene was, you know, doing well at the moment. And in the UK, because it's just so much more, uh, it's obviously such a much bigger scene with much bigger following. There are some people over there who are full time wrestlers and they're having a very difficult time at the moment because their pocket has been hit. Um, I think, thankfully, um, any who have signed up to NXT, for example, over there, you know, they might be doing better than others, but even then, they get X amount. And then they've got to top it up with their independent bookings. And those independent bookings, well, they've all dried up. Um, yeah. Which is a real shame. I, I, I mean, you talk about how all the de- various wrestlers are. I think everyone's frustrated. All the young trainees, they can't train. Um, all the wrestlers, you know, can't work. And I think the one thing that's going to be a real shame coming out of the pandemic is I really think this is going to take a bit of a step back for Australian wrestling. You know, with every single show, the attendances get bigger more wrestlers are coming through, everyone's getting more confident. And I think the real big shame is we're gonna come out of this and I predict that some attendance, there might be a drop in attendance. Um, you know, cause I think people are gonna be very nervous about going to public events. And hopefully it's not gonna be that bad. But I, I think until, you know, things start getting relaxed and until the pandemic's over, we're really not gonna know what the impact on the scene is.
2: Yeah. Yeah, that's a that's a scary. Yeah, that's a scary thought. Because it has gotten a lot bigger in the last couple of years. I mean, just from David and yeah. I's personal experience, like I hadn't been to an indie wrestling show in Australia at all until mm. two years ago, uh, and then started going to MCW shows and uh, really getting into it. So, uh, hopefully, it's not too big of an impact on the industry because I think. You know, even just seeing the amount of Australian wrestlers that are starting to sign on to bigger companies, whether in Japan or America, uh, obviously the industry over here is doing something well. So, yeah, yeah, hopefully that's not too big of an impact. Um, Do you see any positives coming out of the the pandemic at all? We've had a few people sort of talk about, uh, like, musicians having gigs online or, you know, sort of... uh, Disco's moving into disco's. What am I, seventy years old? Night, not didn't we, as we say in year seven French? But you know, people moving things onto an online space and still managing to uh, bring people together. Is there anything along those lines in the in the wrestling industry that uh, is nah, the, happening? that happening? La discoteca. i embarrassing myself. Always today. more your bibliotheca <laughs> kind of. <laughs>
1: Well, you, you know what they say when life gives you lemons you make lemonade and I do think some positives are going to come out of the pandemic whether it outweighs the negatives I you know that's time still to, to go I mean um, you know I for example in my my shoot work so to speak my work outside of wrestling you know um everyone's been working fairly effortlessly from home and we had to improve our commute we're a very close knit team and we're just used to standing up and chatting across the office but I think it's like You know, this is obviously a very specific example, but I think it's improved our communication online. It's helped us produce some processes. So I do think there's an opportunity for businesses to use this as a case of what you've been thrown in the deep end. You've had to make some systems to make it work. And I think now businesses, for example, can make, I've shown that working remotely can work. If you used to working in an office and you've now gone and worked remotely and you've been able to maintain your quality of work, there's no reason why a company can't negotiate with you on whether you can work remotely. I think that's going to be an obvious big shift. Yeah. Um, obviously, when it comes to sort of performance and entertainment, again, live streaming. I'm, um, you know, live streaming. I, I think, therefore, people are beginning to explore these opportunities. I know I, I could be a lazy ass sometimes, and I know that I've been wanting to do online interviews for a while and in a, for a desperate need to create more content for my channels i'm con- currently contemplating doing it i've been looking into it i think people have been forced into a situation where they need to adapt uh instead of putting things off and putting things off and i think that can be beneficial i think it depends if you look at these things with an optimistic mindset mm-hmm. uh, obviously earlier i can't remember if we were actually recording at the time but i know that with um, beers for example and breweries you know, they're um, hopefully they're going to make their beer more accessible via delivery, for example. You know, I think yeah. people may change the way that they drink. And one thing that actually me and my wife did last night, we joined some of our friends online to play uh, virtual um, virtual card games. Basically, I was actually quite impressed with how this system worked. It was something called uh, tabletop games on on Steam, basically. And one of our favorite card games is uh, Exploding Kittens, and that was on there. So we actually played. <laughs> virtual sort of virtual exploding kitten. <laughs> it's just weird to think that, oh wow, you know, people are going to change the way they socialise. People may change the way they work. People may change the way they perform. Mm. And hopefully people will take the best out of this situation. Yeah. I'm I'm an undying optimist. Uh it's like um, You are that's why you keep booking death matches and things <laughs>
0: like that. Yeah, it's like a realist would do that.
1: Why is that? <laughs> yeah, somebody in the audience gets covered in blood. <laughs> Maybe we won't get a disease. Yeah, that's me.
2: <laughs> um, well, I've run out of questions. I'm not sure if you've got any more, David, that you'd like to pose to young Andy here. Oh.
1: <laughs> Thank you for saying young. I appreciate that. It's because <laughs> the beard is gone. The beard does add to the so baby
2: faced, Andy. <laughs> <laughs>
1: They're very pinchable, aren't they? Yes. <laughs> I, did, I, did, I did scare my four month old, though. She just took one look at me and had no idea where this giant baby came from.
2: <laughs> yeah, well, I think this is the, uh, the winter of beard trimming because I've done the exact same thing, although it was a complete accident. I got a new beard trimmer and didn't know how to use it. And so now my beard's
1: what's, gone. <laughs> what's worse, though? What's worse isn't so much the absence of the beard; it's the hair. Now you can't tell this because before I'm doing a video interview, I'm going to get all the hair wax, like all the hair wax in the world, and plaster it down. There's uh, several, several months of (laughs) and I do not believe the fact that Australia are allowing hairdressers to stay open. Stupid. Anyway, what I'm saying is it's an absolute (laughs) bloody mop at the moment. My head is actually shaped like this right now which is the opposite of what it usually is so i look like an exploding mushroom there's a reason why my head's cut off <laughs> sure. it's, it's not good I, up there no i should have done that i was at least now i'm a bit more recognizable
2: <laughs> um all right well thank you so much for for being on the podcast with us uh andy is it do you want to give us a quick plug of where we can find all these stuff? There's a no-holds hold, bar. Uh, yeah, so they, sob, they have sob, their own sob YouTube no holds channel.
1: Sod no-holds bar. Let's talk about Snapman. now. just joking. <laughs> <laughs> if you look online obviously no holds Bar is obviously on hold at the moment but please follow it you know there's a lot of time and energy and effort that's gone into it and hopefully we'll come back with a bang um obviously we've got our production crew and uh, that works on no holds Bar, which is snap mares media smears is spelt as in the mayor of a town you know we thought we'd be quite clever there um and obviously we're trying to release some videos we're currently looking at making a few of these top five videos i recently made one on there the top five things that happened in australian wrestling in the last 10 years bit of a mouthful but it was a really good video and a big thank you for pwa mcw and world series wrestling who gave us access to their footage to allow us to do that but you know look you can find me lord andy Coyne. look like i say i hope you guys will put the addresses of where these things are on your screen i can't I got show notes. social media addresses and Dave, Dave knows where to drive the traffic for no holds barred. So, but you know what, whether it's us, whether it's other channels, you know, there's obviously other good ones out there as well. Support and follow you wrestlers, support and follow all these yeah. track groups. You know, please do, you know, wrestling in this country is growing and support the promotions. Absolutely. But let's start building this community as well, because that's when wrestling gets really fun. When there's a community behind it, and these content providers really help build those community, and if that community can then go down to Dave's pub and spend a couple of grand on a pint, that'd be great.
0: That's pretty much the price these days.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah a grand on several pints, not on. And again, Dave might get something particularly delicious in. You never know. And if you're lucky, he has the make the deal, spin the wheel thing, where you spend. Was it 5 or $10, Dave? I can never remember.
0: $10, $8 on a Sunday, at least back in the world.
1: Yeah, $10 or $8. And if you spin it, you might just win a $50 bottle of something like I seemingly keep doing. I think I'm very lucky on that wheel.
0: I've got to say, the, the phrase make the deal, spin the wheel is not one we've used before, but you're a natural hype man. So, you yes. Know.
1: <laughs> well, the wrestling fans will get that. If you don't know what I'm referring to, go to YouTube, look at make, uh, Spin the Wheel, Make the Deal. It was Jake Roberts versus Sting, and they built up this pay per view match where it was going to be uh, a yeah. stipulation that was on a wheel and they spun it and it was the most boring, bloody stipulation you can imagine. Called a, uh, a coal miner's glove match. On a pole, right? On a pole. Yeah. So they had to fight <laughs> and one of them got the glove, put the glove on and knocked the other out with a glove. So, yeah.
0: <laughs> I'm still going for my COVID mask on a pole match, which is that neither man's allowed to pin the other until someone's climbed, up on, climbed the pole, got maybe, down a mask, maybe, and then they're allowed maybe. to do the pin.
1: Maybe on each... Hole. you could have like the mask, then the gloves, then, I don't know, some overalls. I, I don't know. And then they have to wear everything before they can go for the pin.
0: Whether it's an appropriate use of PPE we- in these troubled
2: times is another matter. Because- <laughs> no, I, think, I, I think this is great booking. This is fantastic. Well I was gonna
1: say, wow, we need fifty thousand PPE. Where where is it gone? PPe? and it's like, where's it all gone? Oh, the shows bought it for merchandise. Wrestling.
2: We <laughs> <laughs> printed
1: we printed no holds barred on it, it and And a huge upmark.
2: Wrestlers.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but guys thanks very much for having me it's been lovely just to chat shite for an hour really love it it uh, really has it's now my turn to go uh, babysit whilst my wife does some coloring now so i do need to go but guys thank you so much really enjoy talking wrestling and of course i love talking beer
2: <laughs> not a problem <laughs> your brother. thanks for being on
1: cheers peace guys
2: see you mate see ya <laughs> Sometimes there is nothing better to do than to go out and get stuck into a few. I'm gonna spend my time with a good friend like
0: you. Ooh.